Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, welcome to Joy in the Midst of the Storm. To everyone who may view this video, those who have seen it, thank you guys for coming again, watching, coming along with us, with me rather. Uh, as you can tell, I'm the only one. Uh, Melvin is actually out of town, so I'll have to hold it down without him. But uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in, um, especially the new viewers that we may have. we like to welcome you to Joy in the Midst of the Storm. Despite all of the things that are going awry, I mean, God is still in control. God is still acting on our behalf. And so this is a program that's aimed, excuse me, aimed to enlighten, enlighten us that no matter what's going on, God is still there, no matter what. And so we just want to bring some peace, some joy, some happiness in the midst of whatever storm anyone's going through because <laughs> there's going to be storms. We know that for certain. But God is still able. He's still there. Uh, it's so much going on. But before I even get into all of that, I want to take a minute to say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for allowing us this blessed opportunity to study your word, Lord. Thank you for how you've dealt with us over the weeks, the years, the months, Lord. Thank you for everything you do for us, Lord. We're praying for all of the people going through tough times right now, Lord. So, so much drama is going on, so much heartaches, hardships, hard times, Lord. We're praying for people that you would strengthen them spiritually, mentally, physically, Lord. Emotionally, everything. We need it all, Lord Jesus. We're praying for the sick, the shut-in, Lord. We're praying that you would give us that light, that you would be the light at the end of the tunnel for us, Lord. We're praying so many things in your name, Jesus. Amen. But, again, thank you guys for joining. Uh, we have a, a good message this afternoon. I'm praying that you guys can follow along, and if anything is kind of unclear because it is it is a little bit uh, it might be a little bit uh, harder to catch some of the things but I'm gonna try my best to take my time and make things clear um, and if if anything is not clear then please by all means after it's over uh, watch it again and even during ask questions and my lights are already giving out on me excuse me my lights uh, but I'll try not to be too long-winded. Um, we're going to start in Genesis, the 37th chapter, and I wanted to talk about Joseph and the coat his father made him, the importance of it, why that happened, and what that actually means for us today. Uh, because there, there's so much we could pull out of the Old Testament, and it's important to connect all of those things with Jesus because everything written was for a reason. And so we can learn something from it. So, again, we'll start at Genesis, the 37th chapter, and we'll look at verse 2. It says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. 
and the lad was with the sons of Billa and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So already we see Joseph, 17 years old. He is the youngest son of Jacob, who is also named Israel. God changed his name to Israel. So that's what we that's why we see him called Israel in the third verse. Now Israel, which is Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. That's the title of <clears throat> the message tonight, the coat of many colors. And I wanted to dive in deeper to see exactly what that was talking about. So Joseph was so loved by his father that his father decided to make him a coat. And this coat was made of many colors. And the picture that um, Melvin posted or Melvin made for the, uh, the, the little picture, we do a picture for every message. We try to at least. And uh, it's a good illustration. If you haven't seen it, just check that out give us kind of an idea of what it may have looked like. But anyways, the coat itself that Joseph, excuse me, yeah, that Joseph wore, made by his father Israel, or Jacob, made by Jacob, that coat represented all nations. It represented all people. It had many colors. <laughs> uh, even being black, sometimes people refer to us as being colored. This coat that Joseph wore had many colors. It didn't just have one. It wasn't for one race. This represented all nations. This represented the red, the black, the white, the purple, the yellow, whatever color you consider yourself, even if you don't consider yourself a color, this is for you too. So, <clears throat> Before I even move too far, this shows us that salvation is for everyone. Doesn't matter your color, doesn't matter your shape, it doesn't matter about anything. This salvation is for you. Despite if you've been picked on in school, you were bullied, this is for you. If people called you names, people called you fat, people called you ugly, it does not matter. This salvation is for you it's for you Christ died for us all so it doesn't matter what people if people discriminate against you because you wear glasses it doesn't matter what it is if you have some type of disability if you have a missing leg a missing arm a missing eye it does not matter this salvation is for you so there is joy in the midst of the storm because of it there is some joy because a lot of people have been neglected for whatever reason, but this salvation is for you. I know somebody, you may say, well, somebody mistreated me. Uh, there was this one Christian that mistreated me. Don't focus on them. This salvation is for you. There was a coat. Joseph uh, was made, Joseph's father made him a coat of many colors, represented all nations, represented everyone. But let's, let's see what happens with this coat. Um, 
I'm going to jump down to verse 18 to save us some reading because we already have a good bit of reading to do. So Joseph has 11 brothers. He is one of 12 brothers. And so we know a lot of times people get jealous. And that's what we see happen with Joseph now. Like I said, we're going to skip some of it. But whenever someone is the favorite, other people take note of it. Other people don't like it. Other people will see the person who is the favorite being showed favoritism, as it's called a lot of times. So people don't like it. People are going to do things to a person who is noted as the favorite just because of who they are. They're going to try to, they're going to lie on you. They're going to talk about you. So many things people are going to do. Even if that's you today, this salvation is for you. But so Joseph is the favorite. Now his father sent him down to meet his other brothers. And that's where we're going to pick this up. His other brothers were keeping the cattle in the field and so they left home to do this and so Jacob sent his son Joseph down to where his brothers were so this is where we're going to pick it up in verse 18 I hope everybody's with me if not uh, somebody please say something to make sure that we're all on the same page here but so in verse 18 it says, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he was his father's favorite and Joseph had a dream. His dream was that one day he was going to deliver his father, his mother and his brethren, his whole family. He was going to deliver them and his brothers. They didn't like the dream. His father wasn't too fond of the dream when he heard it either. But his father kept that dream in mind. But his father still loved him. Brothers wanted to kill him. So they started thinking of a way to get rid of him. They wanted to kill him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. Let's get rid of him. We're going to show him. We don't need them. Let's get rid of them and cast him into some pit. And we will say, they say, <laughs> they gonna lie on him. We will say some evil beast have devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. We're going to kill him and we're going to tell our father and the rest of our family. Some, some animal came and killed him and we'll see what about that dream now. So, we see the evilness in Joseph's own brother. And that's a lot of times, I'm going to try to stay on topic here. A lot of times, our own family is the one that comes up with a plan to derail us, to destroy us, our own people. God help me not to even get into, I'm going to leave that alone. But, and Reuben heard it, and he, de he delivered him out of their hands 
and said, let us not kill him. So one of his brothers, this side, Reuben is one of his brothers. He said, hold on, let us not, let's not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. So Reuben's plan was he was going to tell the rest of his brothers, let's not kill him. Let's just put him in a pit. And so what Reuben was going to do, he was going to go get him out later. So his brother could come home again. He didn't want to kill him. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren. So that conversation was while they seen Joseph afar off. He's walking up to them. They're making this plan. So now he gets there. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat. That coat that represented all nations, that coat that represented all colors, all people, all ethnicities, all genders, both genders, that stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. They took his coat off of him, took his coat, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So they took his clothes off threw him in the pit. Now, we're talking about 11 of his brothers now. They took his coat off, threw him in this hole. Nothing in the hole. No water, no food, nothing in nothing in the hole for Joseph. Now, I don't know how long he stayed there. But it had to be some time because we'll see why. And they sat down to eat bread. So his brothers threw him in this pit. And they said, all right, <laughs> we worked up an appetite. We've been out here keeping the, keeping the animals. We didn't fought with our brother, threw him in the hole. Let's eat something now. They sat down to eat. And they lifted up their eyes. And I looked. Excuse me. And they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry carry it down to Egypt so while they're eating they see Ishmaelites which is really their brothers or cousins however you want to look at it but I'm not going to get into all of that so they see these this group of people coming with spices, different things to trade in Egypt. And I'm really not going to get into the trade that goes on in Egypt. <clears throat> but there's so many things we could unpack out of these scriptures. So many things. So many things that we'll have to get to some different topics a different time. But so they see these people going down to Egypt. And Judah, which is another one of the brothers... And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? What's it going to do for us if we just kill him and hide him? What profit is that? 
Now they decide we can make some money off of him. We can actually benefit from him because he ain't benefiting us right now. Lord help us. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. So he said, let's not kill him. That's our brother. But we, we will sell him into slavery. We will do that. That don't sound like a brother to me, but that's what they decide to do. So they come up with this plan. Then they're passed by Midianites, merchantmen. And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. So before the brothers could sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites, someone walking by the hole saw Joseph in their Midianite, and they said the same thing. They said, man, let's sell this guy. He looks strong, 17 years old. He growing. Let's make a profit off of him. Let's sell him into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. Reuben's upset because he didn't find his brother in the pit. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? I don't know what to do. The, Joseph is missing. So Reuben obviously had returned to the pit by himself. His brothers had not even went to the pit. Reuben had went there by himself and discovered that Joseph is missing. And they took Joseph's coat because, remember, they still had the coat. They took that off of him when they first threw him in the pit. So, and they took, now this is what's important. I just wanted to read all of that so that we understand where we are. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. They dipped, they dipped, it's self-explanatory, they dipped his coat in blood so that they could say to the father, look, your son, he's been eaten and this is all we found of him. This is all we've seen. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know not whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt, without doubt, rent in pieces. They dipped the coat in blood. Now, this is a goat. They dipped the coat in blood. And obviously, they give it to their father and make it seem as if they don't know what happened to Joseph, which really they didn't know what happened to Joseph, but they knew they were responsible for putting him in that pit. So, what we see here, though, 
that's extremely important is that his coat, one of the things, because there's, like I said earlier, there's a lot of things we can unpack out of this, but his coat was dipped in blood, representing all nations must be, we must be covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the lamb. He is the true sacrifice. He is the true sacrifice. But Joseph's brethren, they sacrificed a goat. They killed a, a, killed a, a goat just to get his blood. Jesus is that true sacrifice. So we all must be dipped and covered by the blood of Jesus. That's truly what that represents. And I'm going to try to take my time to bring that out. I'm hoping that somebody can understand this scenario. But so this was foreshadowing what was to come later in the New Testament. So we're going to move now to the New Testament to see just how this thing transpired. Some of it, at least I can't. We won't be able to cover the entire thing, but we're going to move to John, the 20th chapter. John, the 20th chapter, and we're going to start at verse one, but we'll drop down to verse 11 to save us some reading. So. And we're I may, but I probably won't go to go back to Leviticus to pick up just how the high priest handled sacrifices. But it was very meticulous. It was very detailed. Uh, they had to follow God's orders to the T so that the priest wouldn't be killed. Uh, even from the beginning, Aaron being the first priest, we see how God dealt with him, told him what to wear, told him when to do it. Excuse me, I keep hitting the table. So, in when they, well, we'll get to that point. Let's just go ahead to John, the 20th chapter, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. So this is after Jesus has given his life, sacrificed himself for all of us, all nations, all colors. He has sacrificed himself for us. So now Jesus has risen again, but nobody knows that. So they come to the tomb and they found him not there. So let's drop down to verse 11 to save some time. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, weeping because Jesus was not there. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. Now, we covered this and I can't remember exactly when, but we covered this message under the oneness. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. 
The reason she didn't see, she didn't understand who he was, because he has now changed positions. In the book of Hebrews, the third chapter, verse one, it talks about Jesus not only as being an apostle, but also our high priest. Even, uh, even if you continue reading, it talks about Jesus being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, who was a priest in the Old Testament in the time of Abraham. So she doesn't notice that it's Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Now that's the exact same question the two angels just asked him. Exact same question. She supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast hid, thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Lord Jesus. <laughs> she says, if you have moved him, let me know where he's at so I can go and get him. And she's talking to the very one she's looking for. But Jesus has now changed positions. After the sacrifice was killed, God gave them instructions on what to do with the blood. Jesus himself was the sacrifice, but he is no longer right here in the role of being the sacrifice. He is now in the role of being the high priest. He now, he has the blood. He's already shed his own blood. Now he has to go into the holiest of holies, which is what the high priest had to do in the Old Testament. Once a year, he had to go to meet with God. Jesus here, let's look at what Jesus says. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She heard his call. He said, my sheep will hear my voice. She heard his call. She couldn't tell who he was by the way he appeared. But the call, the call was made. Jesus saith unto her, touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my father. Don't touch me. You cannot touch me right now. Why? Because he is the high priest. When the high priest was to enter into the holiest of holies, which represented heaven, which represented meeting the father, which represented going or ascending to the father. When the high priest was to do that, nobody was allowed. Nobody was allowed to be in there with him. You can go back to Leviticus 16 chapter to uh, pick that up, uh, 16 and 17, but really the whole chapter to see all the things that Aaron, the high priest at that time, was instructed to do. So, again, the high priest could not be touched. Sin, God, this is how serious God took things. He told them exactly what to wear and how to offer these sacrifices. 
So if anybody, he said nobody was allowed in the tabernacle but the high priest. So if anybody had come in there, they would defile it because all of them were unclean, even the priest himself. But God had him do certain things to cleanse himself and this, offering these sacrifices was that way. So, but we know that the, the blood sacrifices of lambs and goats, that was not enough to suffice God. He didn't want, he didn't truly want that. He wanted the blood of a perfect lamb, which is Jesus Christ. Someone without sin. So Jesus said unto her, touch me not. You can't even touch me right now. In the position that he is right here, you can't even touch him. So he is the high priest, but where is the blood? If he is the high priest, as I'm saying he is, then where is the blood? Because the high priest, you could not take a sacrifice to God, which is what Jesus said he's going to do. He said he has to ascend to, to the Father. He has to go meet with God to show him that it's done. Jesus has just rose from the dead. He has to go show God that it's done. He has to present that sacrifice to him. He has to present the blood to him. He said, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, and go to my brethren. This is what you can do, though. Go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. I have to go meet with God in the holiest of holies. I have to go meet with him in the tabernacle, if you want to put it that way, the way they did in the Old Testament. But somebody may say, where is the blood? Let's move to Revelations, the 19th chapter and verse 13. In the book of Revelations, I'll start at 12. I'll start at 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he doth judge and make war. Talking about Jesus. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Daniel tells us this same depiction of Jesus. Uh, Peter, John, and James, they seen Jesus in this same figure when he was transfigured on the mountain. The Mount of Transfigur Transfiguration, as we call it. They seen him the same way. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was cloth. Now, this is where we see that blood. And he was cloth with a vesture dipped in blood. The same way Joseph's jacket, his coat, was dipped in blood. Jesus Excuse me. Jesus, his coat was also dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Now, we know who that is. His name was called the Word of God. In John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If we jump down, it says, And God was made flesh. 
The word of God was made flesh. We know what his name was. He dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ. We know his name. His coat was dipped in blood. He had the blood right there and he did not want Mary to contaminate it by touching him. Because if she had touched him, she would have touched that coat. It was dipped in blood. His own blood. It was shed for us all. We'll move to the seventh chapter. I'm hoping somebody can. I know it's a little. This is on the deeper end. Uh, and there's a there's a lot of things that we could discuss, but I don't want to uh, go too deep because I want to make sure that everybody can understand uh, the things that we discuss. So in Revelation, the seventh chapter, we'll see the same stuff. In verse 13, and one of the elders answered, saying unto me, and he's talking to John, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, now that's John talking, sir, thou knowest, you know. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white with the blood of the lamb. They've been dipped. They've been covered by the blood. They've been made clean because of the blood, because of the blood that Jesus himself shed. The high priest, he took, he finished the sacrifice by taking it to the father. It wasn't finished yet. Yeah, on the cross he said it is finished because that sacrifice part was finished. But he still had to show the sacrifice to the Father. He still had to do that part. So that's why he told Mary, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended. I have to go to the Father. I have to show him the sacrifice. I have to go. If we think about uh, in Exodus, the 12th chapter. If we think about when the Israelites were going to leave Egypt, before they left, God told them to kill a lamb without spot, without blemish, the best lambs that they could find, kill it. He told them specifically how to uh, eat it, eat the flesh. He told them, burn it with fire, don't boil it. Burn it with fire, but most importantly, we better pick that up. We better pick that up. I'm going to jump around here uh, because I wasn't really planning on coming here, but God is good. In verse 5, he says, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. So take the blood, put it on the door, 
put it up top and on the two sides. Put it, put it up there. The blood. The blood. He's looking for the blood. God was, even from the beginning, God has been looking for the blood. So when Jesus, who is the true lamb, the real lamb, the lamb we've been waiting for our entire lives. Humanity's been longing for this lamb and didn't even know it. Once this lamb has come, now he has to present that blood to the Father. And that blood has to cover us the same way the blood had to cover them physically in the Old Testament. Spiritually, that blood now has to cover us. We still need that same blood. He says in verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Now, this is God talking and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon your houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, when God sees the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. That's the power of the blood. And this blood is for all nations. That's why we see Joseph have a coat of many colors. And that coat was dipped. In blood, we we all have to be covered by the blood. That's all. When Joseph, when Joseph's brethren brought his father Jacob the coat, all he seen was the blood. He seen the blood, and so it's it has to be the same way. At the end of our lives, at judgment, when God looks at us, He needs to see the blood. That's all He's going to be looking for. He's going to be looking for the blood of Jesus Christ. If we have not put that blood over us, God is going to cast judgment on us. But notice here, he says, when he see the blood, though, when he see the blood, he'll pass over us. So that is the importance of the blood. And Jesus had to go take it. To the he had to show him the blood uncontaminated. He didn't let anybody touch him at that moment. This was when he was in the role of the high priest. I'm certain. I'm certain. Uh, Joseph's brothers, they didn't know that they were foreshadowing Jesus Christ. They didn't know that they were foreshadowing that we all have to be dipped in the blood. We all have to be covered. Covered by the blood we all have to be it doesn't matter if you black it doesn't matter if you white red purple yellow green it does not matter we all have to be covered by the blood and that's amazing because a lot of times when uh, if you want to get into a certain organization or a certain uh, group of people they have different requirements even if you want to get on, uh, even if you just say you want to go to the fair and get on a ride, they have a height requirement. So many requirements are made, but in Christ, we all are welcome. 
we're all welcome. That's the beautiful thing about this salvation. It's to everybody. God is not discriminating. He's not discriminating. So many times people try to twist the, the scriptures, twist the Bible and make Christianity into a white religion or a black religion or this type of religion or that type of religion. But people twist the, the scriptures to make it fit their agenda a lot of times. This salvation is to us all. Jesus shed his blood for us all. We all have the option, the choice to be covered by his blood. He shed that for all colors. Every color of people under the sun. He shared, he shed that blood for us. And, and that's an amazing thing because what we see here in Exodus, if you have that blood covering you, you're safe. You're safe if you have that blood. If you have the blood, you're safe. And that's what we've seen in Revelation, the seventh chapter. There's some people out there that have taken that blood and they've been cleansing themselves with it night and day. Somebody out there is going to take the blood. Somebody's going to take the blood. If you accept it. God has respect for the blood. He, why? Because the blood is of a perfect man, Jesus Christ. So when he sees that blood, he's not going to look at the wrong that Tony's done. He's not going to look at Tony messed up. Uh, <laughs> Tony did this when he should have did that. God's not going to look at that in that day when he sees the blood. He's going to see that perfect life that Jesus lived when he sees the blood. But if he does not see the blood, then we find ourselves in trouble. Because that blood was shed for all of us. We all have to be dipped in the blood today. That blood was shed for all of us. But let's go back to John the 20th chapter to finish off that because we'll go back and read it again uh, we'll start at 16 Jesus saith unto, unto her Mary she turned herself and saith unto him Rabboni which is to say master Jesus saith unto her touch me not you can't touch the priest when the priest is going to offer the sacrifice, you can't touch him. Now, again, Jesus had already been killed. He had already shed his blood. But now he has to go and present the blood to the Father. So being in the role of the high priest, Jesus said, you can't touch me. Right now is not the time to hug. Right now is not the time to show affection. In that manner, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. Hadn't went to the father yet. Hadn't showed him. Hadn't presented the blood to him. Showed him it was pure. Showed him it's still undefiled. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord 
and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them in his hands and his side. Then the disciples were, then the disciples, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now, we're going to see he's fit. We're going to see that he finished that role because he's going to let them touch him. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now he told them to go and wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Ghost. So he's telling them, look, go and get the Holy Ghost. He already told them to get the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, how did he give them that power? He said, whosoever sins you wash away, they're going to be forgiven. You got to remit. If you go, <laughs> glory to God. If you go to Acts, the second chapter, uh, verse 38, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. Here he said, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. He's talking to the disciples. He said, to you 11 at that time, Judas had already uh, betrayed Jesus and obviously had killed himself by this point. So he says, you 11, who's, whoever sins you wash away through water baptism. That's why baptism is important because your sins are washed away through baptism. So he said, if you baptize these people, I forgive their sins. Why? Because that blood is the blood. You can't separate the water and blood. You cannot separate the water and blood. But so I'm going to move on because that's not my message. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas said he has to see it for himself. And after eight days came again his disciples, after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas with them then came Jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you then said he to Thomas reach hither thy finger and behold my hands he said come and touch me he's done he's already ascended to the father by this point he's already fulfilled his role as the high priest. He's done with that now. Now he can be touched. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands 
and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing he gave he gave Thomas the opportunity to touch him now the job that he had as the high priest that's fulfilled now the scriptures have been fulfilled on that that's now done Thomas can now come and touch him and Thomas answered and said unto him my Lord and my God Thomas knew who he was he knew who he was, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Standing right there before him, he called him not only his Lord, but his God. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, but in Jesus Christ is all of God. In Jesus Christ. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. What, what a story. What a story. I, I hope somebody, I get excited about this because... It's so, the mystery of God is so incredible. It's so incredible. Uh, in Revelation, he said, you got to have eyes to see this and ears to hear. You got to have eyes to see and ears to hear. He's not talking about physical eyes, physical ears. He's talking about spiritual there are some concepts, there are some deep things that God wants us to understand through the scripture. But we have to dive in and study. We have to dig deep. We have to search his word. We have to hunger for it, thirst after it. But I hope, I hope I've shown the connection between Joseph's coat being dipped in blood, representing all of us having to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And so Jesus took that, took his coat now, his clothing, and dipped it in blood, carried it to the Father for our sake, making intercession for us. If you believe in his name, if you get baptized in his name, if you get the Holy Ghost, things he told us to do. So I'm hoping that somebody will understand these things and recognize just how great this salvation is. He shed his blood for all of us. He, he covered all of us with his blood. I'm hoping somebody understands that. And if you don't today, I'm hoping you seek to understand it. To understand just how deep the depths of this, just how great that was, the lamb being slayed for us. Sure, we can look at it as a sad thing because it was sad the way they did him, but that was the best thing that ever happened for us. Jesus Christ dying for us, best thing that ever happened for us. This is some happy things here. These are some happy things. Great was the day the lamb was slain. He gave his blood for us so that when God sees us, he's going to be looking at the blood of Jesus. He's not going to be looking at Tony 
all of the things that Tony's done wrong because now I'm trying to do right. And so that blood is going to make atonement for my sins. And you too. So I'm praying that you out there would take the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus. In Joseph's day, they dipped his uh, jacket in the uh, blood of a physical goat. But now we got the real deal now. Jesus Christ has come. Now we don't have to continue to offer sacrifice. See, the high priest, he had to continue to do that every year. We don't need Jesus to come down here and die again. He offered his sacrifice once and for all. He had to do it one time, and God accepted it. One time. So, that's a... It's a beautiful story. It really is. It's a beautiful story. How Jesus gave his life for us so that we can be covered by his blood. And that through his blood, we have salvation. And it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what your weight is. It doesn't matter what kind of defects somebody may say you have. It doesn't matter if one of your eyes droops. It doesn't matter. It does not matter if your mustache, part of your beard is missing. It, it does not matter any of those things. This salvation is for you. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. People, people want to tell you so many lies. They want to tell you, oh, this religion is, people push this on you. People uh, forced you to believe in it. They want to tell you so many things. They want to tell you God ain't even real. My, my, my. Please accept the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ died for you to have his blood. Don't waste the opportunity. So many people are going to look back on it. They're going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have done right. After it's too late, though. So many people are going to say, I wish I would have taken God serious the way I took my job serious, the way I took my relationship serious, the way I took my family serious. So many things we put before God. So many things. I, a lot of times I'll, I look at if, especially on our job, but it's everywhere. But when our boss tells us to do something, we jump right to it. I mean, we march right on it. We run over and do exactly what the boss says. But if God says do something, the one that we say we love and we adore, we take our time, and most of the time we're not going to do it. But even if we do, we're going to take our time getting to that. We say, oh, God, he's he going to forgive me. But what about your boss? You don't say my boss, oh, he's going to let it slide. My boss going to forgive me. My boss going to let it slide. God is serious. For Jesus Christ to die for us, to go to the cross, that shows us severity. That shows us just how serious God is about saving us. Why won't we take him serious? I'm hoping somebody wakes up because that's love. Jesus loves us so much to die for us. And we trample on the blood. 
we walk right over the blood. Instead of allowing that blood to cover us, we walk right over it. We say, the stuff that they talking about in the Bible, that, that stuff ain't that important. I don't have to put any time in learning who Jesus really is. I already know who he is. But we'll learn who, <laughs> we learn who every movie actor is. We learn who every rapper is. All the words in the songs, all the lines in movies, so many things we learn, but we don't have time to learn who Jesus is. We don't have time to learn who God is. So many things we can't tell us, can't tell someone else about the one that we say we adore, the one that we say we love. We don't know anything about him, though. I'm praying, I'm, I'm really hoping that we would turn our lives over to Christ because he's serious and he loves you. Give him an opportunity to prove to you that he cares about you. Somebody may say, I don't even believe that Jesus Christ died. Somebody might say, I don't even believe in God. But friend, this salvation is still for you. Let God make you a believer. Pick this book up and find out if these things that are written are not true. Somebody was talking to me one time, and he said, man, I just don't believe in the Bible because there's so many errors. There's so many mistakes. I said, you know what? Pick up the King James Version of the Bible, and you show me all the errors and mistakes that you're talking about, I'll stop believing about them. I'll stop, I'll stop reading it. I'm a man of my word. I'll stop believing in the Bible. I'll stop believing in God. If you show me errors in this book, because I guarantee you there are none. I've already tried to disprove. The more you try to disprove God, the more you're going to find out <laughs> he's real. He's realer, than, he's realer than you ever thought. So if you if there is someone out there that said, man, I, I don't even think I can trust God. I don't think I, I don't even think God's real. Test the scriptures. Call on him. See if he'll answer. Test him. He'll prove it to you. He don't need me. <laughs> he'll do it all by himself. He don't need me. But I'm going to end it at this. Um, unless there's anybody that has anything they would like to say or ask any questions. Um, well, we're going to leave it at that. Um, once again, thank you guys for tuning in uh, week after week. I really appreciate it. Um, just continue. Those of us in Christ, continue seeking him. Continue learning about him. Continue Continue falling in love with Christ because he is our best friend. He has done more for us than anybody else we can name. And we can't pick a time he's done us wrong because everything he's done was for us, for our betterment. No matter how bad the situation may look, it's for our betterment. And sometimes we put ourselves in situations and blame God. But keep holding on, friends. Keep holding on because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's almost over. 
God is almost coming. He is getting ready to redeem us. It won't be long. It won't be long. Time passes so fast. Every year we say the same thing. I mean, I, I, I notice a lot of stuff. I, I don't know. I guess it's just a part of how God made me. But I notice a lot of stuff. Every year we say the same thing. Around Christmas time, people say, well, man, this year flew by. I remember when this happened, and I remember on this date this happened, and in August and, and July and uh, April. I remember all these things happening. Man, I can't believe it. It's past that fact. That's life. And one day, God is going to say, time is no more. The sun is no more. It ain't no more tanning. It ain't no more uh, I'm going to punch in on the time clock. It ain't no more uh, at this time I'm going to wake up. Time will be no more one day. And what's going to matter is if you've done what God said do. That's all that's going to matter then. Your yacht won't matter. The music you're making won't matter. The clothes you're wearing right now won't matter. None of our clothes are going to matter. Only thing that's going to matter is if you have accomplished the will that God wanted for you. If you have been washed in his blood. If you have the blood of Jesus covering your life. I'm praying that's us today. And if not, I'm praying we get that blood. We seek God. We learn who he is. We learn what he's about. And so, so that I won't keep rambling on if nobody has anything they'd like to say. Uh, definitely thank you. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for those who will watch later. Um, and always we're having Bible study every Tuesday at the J.D. Williams Library at 630. And then next week we'll catch you again. Same time, 630, Thursday, live stream. Be there. Ask questions. Um, comment. If you just want to say hello, praise the Lord, amen, whatever you want to say come in uh, just join the goodness that God is doing for us and as my lights go out I'll say good night everyone thank you guys for listening